your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two co's here, Ryan. So you see the other people, right, or is it all starting up again? And Scott. I think it's happening, Ryan. We planned for this. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> I didn't I, show notes, man. <laughs> I planned for all of this. Thank you for coming. And as not like usual, we have audience members. Hello, audience. We're, we're coming to you uh, actually live. We, we usually misuse that word. Uh, <laughs> from MoboCon in the beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, the Georgia World Congress Center. Memorial Day weekend uh, 2018 to date the podcast. Yep, dating it. That's what we do. Wait, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> Awkward. But anyways, this is a very special episode because, well, this is our very first live recording with an actual live audience, which is super rad. And thank you all very much for coming out. We deeply appreciate it. It is 1 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> we are rad. so tired. I, so, was, I woke up at 5.30 this morning. Yeah, Yay! so audience members, if we sound a little weird and punchy, that's the reason Just why. Normal. Again, we deeply appreciate MomoCon for giving us the opportunity to come out and do this. Absolutely. So let's start things off by just introducing ourselves, I think. Yep. Good, good idea. Yeah, yeah, since yeah, we're kind of doing the down to the basics here. Uh, I My name is Matthew Malice. I am the producer and obviously co-host O2 Polyhedron. Uh, I have been role-playing since I was 14 years old. I've been doing Boffer, which is salon live-action role-playing, since, like, for the last, like, 14 years. So I've been role-playing a lot of stuff and just been doing that kind of thing and I really enjoy the hobby. A lot of voices in his head. Oh, yeah. Uh, same here. My name is Scott Cuban. I've been doing this since uh, role-playing in various forms since 16. I, I, you know, I'm a player in many campaigns. I, I run quite a few. I uh, run, run a few salon LARPs, run a boffer LARP for a bit. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I'm committed to this thing. Um, it, I, I really love the medium. I think it's a wonderful thing for creative expression uh, and you know, personal fulfillment. Uh, and that's why I'm doing this. And I am Ryan Josephsberg. I've been, also been doing this since I was 14, although I am younger than these geezers. Uh, I, I'm mostly a player. Uh, yeah, I don't have a head or patience for, you know, running stories or anything. I, I, I find players to be terrible things, uh, <laughs> as I am one. Uh, but, yeah, I've been doing this for, oh, my God, 16 years now? Yeah, 16 years now. And mm. I'm, all those things Scott said about the, the therapeutic nature and the, you know, the general positives, and that's actually what we're going to be talking about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and cover that, Scott, because you wrote the show notes. <laughs> oh, I did it. I did it, in fact. I'm the one that does word count. Um, yeah, so the, the basic premise of this panel is we want to talk about, uh, you know, kind of the, the what we get out of this hobby, what, what, it, what it does more than just, you know, killing the orcs and having some fun. I mean, so, I mean, at the base level, uh, role-playing in all its forms you know, it, it is escapism. It can be power fantasy. You know, beer and pretzels, hanging out with your friends. Cheetos. Cheetos. Yeah, Cheetos. The Funyuns. Uh, forget not the Funyuns. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, but it's a, it's, it, it can be a fun night when you don't have nothing to do, and, and, it, and that's fine. Like, that's great. That's a lovely aspect of it. Um, but what, what we try to talk about and we, we try to, to, to peel apart is when it goes a little bit deeper, when you can actually get something fulfilling and, and productive out of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's some wonderful aspects of it. Um, particularly for younger players, it can be a lovely, wonderful experience to develop your social skills. Um, 
particularly if you're kind of a nerdy person who that doesn't come too naturally to. Let's everyone wave. Yeah. Podcast gold. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, li- living living the life of, of a person who is perhaps a bit bolder and, and more charismatic than you uh, may be a way to to help yourself become more bolder mm-hmm. uh, and charismatic. To learn problem solving and critical thinking skills. Uh, you know, this is something you don't have to be young in order to learn, but it sure does help. Um, uh, there's something I wanted to to mention. Uh, there's actually a, a, a an organization called Game to Grow. Uh, GameToGrow.org. Um, they are a a company that uses role playing uh, to help special needs children uh, do things like social skills and 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 critical thinking and whatnot. It's actually a wonderful organization. Uh, we'll have a link to, to it in the show notes. Absolutely. Uh, but it's a prime example of what we're talking about, uh, where this this tool, this thing that can just be you know kind of mindless fun, can be taken and used to do some really productive, wonderful things. Particularly for some people who, you know, need it uh, or, you know, don't have another it, – it's a, it's a better tool than anything else that they've been presented to develop skills that, that are going to be incredibly valued later in life. Yeah, um, I mean, like we all started out when we were younger, and I remember my sort of – my origin stories, as it were, about – just being a very awkward kid who didn't have a lot of friends and, you know, sometimes you find this comic book store becomes almost like a shrine to yourself that you're like, you meet people that are somewhat like you, but you're still awkward and you don't know how to deal with people and they want you to buy things because, well, that's how a business runs. So you're there and you meet people and I, I remember, I've said this before, I'm going to go in the back room and I see these guys just by themselves rolling dice and I'm like, ooh, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're playing this game called Shadowrun. And they showed me the book, and I started flipping through going, what is this algebra? Oh, for uh, the audience, uh, we got another uh, audience member. Yay! We're living the magic. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember, you know, my early early games, uh, you know, some, some vampires, some Warhammer fantasy. It's, I, I learned how to stand up for myself. Like, like I, I learned how to tell my friend not to be such an a-hole to me. Uh, through by being a boisterous dwarf who didn't take any shit, um, and you know it, it it helped improve my relationships with my friends because it helped me be less of a you know spineless coward. Uh. <laughs> I don't think my real growth as a human being through role playing really started until LARPing, and I'm not sure it even came then. <laughs> well, uh, well, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, you've known me long enough. I think you can make the call. Uh, uh, yeah. I've, I've been doing it long enough, but yeah, it made me a little more confident. It's it, it's definitely been good for that because I was you know not very good at dealing with people. As a, I, I can say that it has made me better at talking to other people, which I really, really wasn't good at early on. I think sure. one of the other things is sort of the step deeper that we sort of we talked about the social aspect mm-hmm. of it. The step deeper, I know you want to hit on this, oh, yeah, is yeah. sort of the more the more esoteric aspect of it of like. Moving, removing yourself from who you are as a person and trying to test out, test drive some concepts and some ideas. Like, I play, I'm a, generally try to be an upstanding citizen, right? Well, what happens if I try to role play someone who's not, who breaks the law and is very, very selfish and manipulative? That's not something cool to do in the real world because it causes a whole bunch of problems, but at least in this environment where I'm not going to really hurt anyone, I can. See what the what the what being in the other shoe is like. Oh yeah, you can you can test drive out some 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 darker impulses. I mean, it's also empathy. You know, you're 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 putting yourself in the shoes of someone who's not exactly you. 
mm-hmm. uh, and and you're you're balancing the needs of your friends and your friends' characters uh, in a situation that might be a little more high stakes than you're used to. Um, and that's that's a great tool for developing empathy because good lord knows we need more of that. Yep, that's very very true. Or you can test out you know your darker impulses in a place where there's actually absolutely no stakes. Absolutely, like, because usually around the like table. Well, let let's be honest. No one has a gun to your head, and no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, someone might get really pissed and like I don't yeah. know, throw a but cup you... like a like a like a real adult would. <laughs> Shut up, Kelly. <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 good. It's, it lets you test out a new personality without there being like risk of I don't know utter and complete rejection from a stranger, which I know we all care about a lot. Yeah, it's it's it. I know from many stories, and we're going to end this probably with a couple of personal stories about oh, yeah. old. That's going to encapsulate a lot of the stuff we're talking about. Is finding who you are amongst all the other things you have been. Like, really, like, diving into some psychology, your own psychology. For me, when I make characters, a lot of the time I go, what part of my personality would I like to explore? And I'll take that part of me and ramp it up to 11. Just, like, do I want to be really bold and and brash and not take no guff from anyone? Well, I'll just take that and put it to uh, an unhealthy level and see where that takes me. Or try to be social, try to be charismatic, and try to be those things. Because it's the cold adage, fake it until you make it. It, it works. It yeah. actually does yeah, work. It really does. <laughs> um, so go, going a little bit into a different direction, um, it's also an avenue for creative expression. Um, one of, uh, one of, one of the, the, the DMs that I, I respect the most, now that we're in an era where we can talk about DMs as creative individuals that yes. like, produce something that's more than just at a table, oh man, that blows my head. But anyway, uh, Jerry Holkins, uh, who runs uh, the Acquisitions Incorporated C-Team live stream uh, series, um, he describes that campaign as his novel. Um, you know, as a, as a way to tell a bigger story than he normally is able to. Um, uh, and in a, in a way that it syncs up with his creative skills and talents. And, you know, in this age where D&D campaigns and other role-playing campaigns are watched by, like, thousands of people on, like, a weekly schedule and, you know, get put up on YouTube and on Twitch and all these other mediums, it it it's turning what is a very insular hobby that usually only a few get to people get to see the result of into a performance uh, oh, absolutely. Where, where you can show off like skills of like narrative construction, storytelling, acting. Um, and I, that's amazing. I really love that, that this thing that I've been loving all of my life is becoming something bigger now. Um, and it, it shows its potential. It shows that this is a, uh, this is a this is an art form, uh, if you let it be. If you if you you know take a little boldness. I mean, it's it's uh, John Wick, uh, another another game designer, uh, says that role playing is the medium where um, the audience and the actor are the same. Uh, you're acting and you're performing together, and I think that that's just that blows my mind. It blows my mind every time I think about it, uh, and makes me think that yeah, there might be something worthwhile when we when we. Yeah, I Try mean, and kill the orcs. I think you absolutely pointed out something. Is also there's less gatekeeping now. Oh absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Because I remember back in my day, you needed the books, you needed to talk to the right people, and they had to initiate you into that right. world, which can be good or for very much for ill, depending on who you're hanging out with. I'm not saying there's good and bad people wherever you go. So it's this allows 
also let also introduction to it is much 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 easier. Like oh, yeah, you said, there's be like, people in my life who um, like have told me that in their youth they're from a smaller town or something, and they they knew that it, it was a thing that existed, but you know, you and one other person kind of having one off book that you found at a yard sale or something doesn't does not a D and D campaign make. <laughs> no, no. So, you know, the fact that you can, like, just go on YouTube and be like, hey, what does D&D actually look like when people play it around the table? It's like, of course, those people are way prettier than most people that actually are. <laughs> and they sound better. They, they, have, they look great. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, Hollywood, Hollywood it however you want. But at least you get to see what the actual execution of a game looks like. Absolutely. And you can show it to people who might not understand it. Um, yeah, you can show your parents. Like, we, we just had an episode about talking to your parents and significant others that don't, aren't into role-playing. How What role-playing is and how you can sort of ease them into it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so one of the things was, here, look at Critical Role. Uh, look at Acquisitions Incorporated. Look at these funny people doing funny things, making money from it, mind you. That's also a big self- oh, selling man. point. Well, don't, don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I very mean, long road. We all road tell road. lies to our parents. But. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but also speaking about creative endeavors, it's also there's more than just the role playing itself. There's aspects of it like costuming. Oh yeah, uh, like from live action. This is more for the live action stuff than than just the tabletop stuff. But if you really want to dress up at the table, you can. That's you get your bag. Well, but yeah, but you got like things like uh, uh, one of the audience members is wearing a very lovely kimono right now. That would be perfect for some, perfectly appropriate for some games. Did you uh, gonna, did you make that by yourself? Oh, oh well, she, she. It's still good. It's still good and it's still appropriate. But there could be people that I have met in various LARPs that make very nice kimonos, that have made them by hand. Uh, and that is a part of, like, not just their own creative expression, but it's also their craft and also sort of how they also can get into character because they want to make their own costuming. Also, I mean, uh, you know, character art, like drawing pictures of your character or having someone draw a picture of your character, like scenes from the game, it, it's an it's a... It's a thing that you can you can apply so many different creative tools out of. Uh, I mean, my wife right here, it's like an addiction, writing, drawing <laughs> pictures of her character. Um, and, and it also may seem hyper golden, but even writing fiction. Oh, yeah. Like, as you're, I mean, listen, man, we can all be our own drizzit someday. <laughs> and, and I've done it. I've written, a, I've written a, a novella about basically each of my major characters. I mean, ain't ever ain't anyone gonna see it? Like that's, that's fine with me. Like there's about a hundred people who have ever read it, and that's a okay. I'll still remember it's a thing that it was, it was just something that I wanted to do. It was something that I wanted to explore the headspace of these two particular gigantic assholes. Uh, <laughs> it let you get into character. It was a process for you. Well, right. It also like. I will never run out of shit to talk about when the monsters aren't coming to kill us. It's right. Really, yeah. Absolutely. Like, I have stories upon stories to talk about. When it's late at night, we're punchy tired, just like kind of like we are now, <laughs> and I just need to bullshit about some shit that's happened to me that wasn't like, because you know I'm old as fuck and we're here, and you know, it was, I can't tell the same story over and over again. That'd be dumb. <laughs> no, gotta have new ones there, War Beast. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking about we're, we're, the the conversation is veering into the LARP territory, so yep. we're all we're all bond for LARPers and whatnot, and that's a, a lot of our experience. It, it really has, and, and, that, and that's another avenue uh, of if you're if you get into bond for LARP, uh, it's it's a physical athletic activity at times, yep. uh, a lot of the times, and that that I mean, it not it, that's not for all of us, but I mean, I know these two guys sitting next to me really enjoy the fighting aspect. Oh yeah. Well, 
And like it's it, 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 you can push yourself, you can challenge yourself, you can it can be a reason to go to the gym or get on a treadmill uh, to to make yourself in better fighting shape because that's a big part of being in a ball for LARP is swinging that PVC. Yeah, it's um, part of it. Part of it that is is just the physicality of it. I mean, we're all nerds, and most of us, if you're role playing, you probably are doing more of the social sort of tabletop aspect. You're not going out there and running and jogging, lifting weights all the time. There are there are those super nerds out there. They do exist, and I've met them. They're very scary. It's called stick jocks. They're, <laughs> they're weird, and I don't understand them. I, but I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love fighting at LARPs. I could not see doing what they do. Though. I don't, yeah, I don't it, quite understand. Yeah, so it's it, it's a that's another self-expression and self-discovery. That's oh, yeah. also very important. Absolutely. Uh, I remember when I started doing Buffer more, I, I thought more about working out more and doing that kind of stuff because I wanted to perform better at the game because I, I, I had to compete because there were people that were as old either had been there older than me but had been had much more experience under their belt or younger than me and more athletic. So if I wanted to put make sure I was doing my best, I had to push myself to be the best or try to at least. I had to compete. Yeah. And, and I mean and it's not just fighting, you know, there's 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 Boffer LARP is such a physical, tangible uh, thing. Like um, you know, there's there's puzzles, there's all sorts of things that you really have to push yourself uh, to to get better at. I mean, there's things like code breaking uh, oh that, that you have to do in real time uh, uh, because it's a real time event. Trap and trap disarming. Trap disarming. Like tra- traps at a bar for LARP are so messed. Like I I, I couldn't it, it, like you're you're dealing with like mouse traps and fishing wire and some of these sons of bitches are really diabolical about. I actually these had someone curse curse at me. Recently, at, at, a, at a game for because I designed a trap module, and as I was leaning very languidly on the bed, watching him just squirm with it, he looked at me and he's like, "You are a sadistic son of a bitch." <laughs> yeah, because some of those traps can be—they're uh, not just—they're just generally fishing line on on mass traps, but some of them are reverse tension mode, which means you don't want to cut them. You actually have to go find it to undo it because yeah. if you do, it will go off. Or there's ones that drop things on things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's essentially it, you, die, a, you, know. you turn a room into a 3D puzzle uh, that has to be like physically navigated, and yeah. that's there's, a challenge. That's there's a challenge. no theater of the mind there, son. You need to get him yeah. in there and do well, it. Well, and I, I know some of our friends have like trap workshops where they trap their backyard uh, <laughs> to, uh, to to help train people. No, because it it. And you got to push yourself. I mean, that that is an a, a area of physical exertion and skill that, that doesn't come naturally. That, that's actually a skill set I haven't learned in all my years. I never really wanted to do the roguey trap stuff, but I've slowly gotten into another game in an ATE. I'm having to learn it a little bit. I just had to push a button at this one point, thank God. And I just avoided all the other traps. But it's still something I'm now realizing that character can do and should do. And I'm like, shit, I need to start thinking about learning how to do that because it may be called upon me to do it and i don't want to let my buddies down i just don't so oh my yeah uh i've I've done that before but not there were traps but i wasn't the one disarming them i just happened to be around them i don't know i don't know can they can the audience be heard at all from the recording because sort of but if anyone wants to say anything please use the mic in the center of the room that way we have you absolutely on recording Linda did just refer to the trap shimmy, which is, you know, kind of belly crawling, 
belly crawling, twisting, against the, twerking against the concrete floor while trying not to strip a tripwire with your hair. Oh God! <laughs> real life, man. Yeah, and also it was real. The, the, I know we're harping on traps a lot, but uh, one last comment about it is you got to watch out for your costuming. Oh yeah, oh, it can get you. snagged on crap. You're like, oh, I can totally do this, and you're like, snap. Oh, oh because it's dude, like, I, oh, I your one piece of frill here caught it and was just too much, and it boom. Uh, but that actually segues nicely into our next point, and you mentioned it a little bit before, uh, but uh, in not just in Boffer but in Salon LARP, costuming uh, and, and crafting of props, um, I mean, this is a, this is sort of like a secondary industry to that sort of thing. Yeah. Like we have, I mean... I, we have some uh, of the greatest craftspeople. Absolutely. People make beautiful things to, to participate and enhance the role-playing experience. Um, and you know, and people, I've seen people show up to, to tables. These are in, in like streamed games, but they, people show up to tabletop games wearing character costumes. Um, and it's, it's an, it's once again, it's an avenue of creative expression and, and an exhibition of skill, um, that is in a completely new context because the role of the role-playing medium, uh, it's personal. You know, you're not just, you're not just designing a pretty dress. You're designing this person, this whole other person's outfit that is iconic about them, or their weapon, or a prop that they use, um, and it it's it's personal uh, and it's expressive, um, and it's it's different from anything else that you can do with this sort of thing because of this other you know dimension that you're adding. To oh, it. absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Um, so I've got a little story about crafting because I didn't do it, but I helped the guy do it, and unfortunately he had passed away. A couple of years ago, uh, I wear a, I have a pretty much a suit of plate mail at my house that was handmade uh, of aluminum. Um, this guy was uh, trying to like weapon uh, armor smith. This guy loved to do it. I went over to his house pretty much almost every weekend and sometimes during the week just to work with him for about an hour or two on that armor for about three months. So folding it, helping him cut things out. He did all the hard work, but I did, I helped, I assisted him because it was mine and I was also paying him to do it. And I still have that armor and it's still, I cherish it. I'll never sell it. I will keep it. I'm really, uh, really glad I didn't destroy it. I was really worried. <laughs> uh, someone almost did. And that's a whole other story that I'm super pissed about, but he took I, a real big hit. <laughs> yeah, it, somebody was being very unsafe, and it it, it dented it physically dented it because it's aluminum; it's not like steel. No, that's that's a that's an absolute beautiful. You should probably put a picture of it up in the show notes. I yeah, I do. Have yeah, the yeah. Most, like crazy ass moment of my life though, where like I took two solid hits and two pieces like. Like, that's when the rivets ruptured, so I literally was losing chunks of armor as I was getting my ass beat. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a pretty immersive experience. Very cold on the that day. Very cold. Uh, uh, so what are the other reasons why, obviously, the core of this all is why we like to do yeah. this? And we've obviously gone over a lot of it. Um, but, like, what is the core? What do you guys think is the core reason why you do this? What, like, your individual, personal... Oh, Jesus. Um, I'm not going to go super deep right now. Uh, well, I mean, I, I know I do this um, because it's an avenue of getting the stories out of my head, um, of, of um, you know, telling collaborative mutual stories, because, you know, I, I fashion myself a writer, uh, but it's sometimes the words don't go onto the page, uh, and it's it's better to to live them and 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 bring them in a in a different format. Um, 
that's that's really why I do it. I mean, it, it's 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 fun to kill the orcs. It's it's kind of fun to slay the demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that can be a, a fun aspect of it. But it's the character development. It's the narrative development. Um, it, it it gets it gets the voices out of my head. <laughs> and we don't want them in his head. Yeah, you really don't. I, but I, I think that's a pretty good way to put it. It gets it out of you. Um, I I am not a writer by any stretch of the imagination, despite having written a lot of shit. But I I'm not a creative in that way. This is kind of like my method. This is this is my one method of creativity, I guess, is sort of collaborative storytelling with a bunch of people I I like. Um, also, like I've I've come to find that like you don't have money harder laughs than around the gaming table. Usually, you laugh harder with your with your tabletop group than any other group of people, which I put a really heavy emphasis on, on being funny and humor, oh, yeah. and that's generally where I have found the funniest people, because we are also the saddest people. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, Rough yeah. chuckles. Rough chuckles. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and I think probably one of the most valuable things that you can get out of it, if you really want to like get into the meat of it, um, is the ability to step outside yourself, uh, like the ability to take an aspect of your personality, like Matthew said, and ramp it up to 11, um, you know, uh, to, to develop that, that really broad sense of empathy. Like you can take a character that believes things totally different from what you actually believe or, or has an experience totally different from your lived experience and, and try it out and, and, you know, see where it goes, see what it teaches you. Um, See I mean, how many of your friends still want to talk to you after <laughs> exactly. the game. I mean, you can you can do this with with political points of view. You can do this with spiritual or religious. I don't know if you guys have ever tried just playing a fascist. It's fun. It, it's fun and it can be scary and it can it can be enlightening because you can see how people get get, in it. get it get into get into it. that that perspective. And I I think that's the real value of it. Like if you really want to go beyond just the sheer beer and pretzels rolling rolling your 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 hit dice it that's that's where you get your meat out of it is the ability to really understand someone whose experience is not like your own mm-hmm. uh, both both by playing a character and by uh, having that experience with the people around your table or the people at your larp site um, that's that's where it is I mean that there's uh, you know, there's there's some people who have had some things to say about the nature of stories, like uh, like Carl Jung uh, and Joseph Campbell. Um, you know, the hero's journey is it's a very useful thing to contemplate if you really want to uh, think about stories in a in a more broader academic sense. Yep. Uh, we've we've had an episode dedicated to that concept. Yep. Uh, but the hero's journey, it's not it's not a it's not a, a cut and dry blueprint but it's it's something you can reference if you really want to kind of think about it in a broader sense uh you know dan Harmon has the whole story circle thing that's that's an even simpler version of it yep but like if you if you try just like apply little bits of that you'd be surprised where you can take a character that really resonates in a sort of mythological sense and and can give you some real emotional catharsis um, and that can be valuable, you know, learning something, having an emotional experience that you wouldn't ever have because you're in a space that's so different from your lived experience um, can be mind-blowing. Yeah, um, I, the, that, that advice is also doubly so for people running games. Uh, don't forget, you need to help craft help 
craft the story. They, you need to meet the players in the middle and sort of bring about their stories and your own story too. You got to have fun. However you have fun, but that's something to keep in mind going forward is that you are there to have fun. And you, even as a GM, you're trying to explore things. I know when I was uh, working on my exalted game, I was working on some higher, one of my higher concept ideas about, authority uh who's worthy of power who's worthy who should wielding that and who has more right like are these god kings more righteous but they lose themselves to their godly power or these lowly blooded dragons who must have children and keep the generations going who's who's more worthy to wield true authority over the world I just wanted the, to the, the answers the are missiles, dude. The, an, <laughs> the answers are the solars they're the best they're you know they're, <laughs> they're the best yeah. the greatest they never they never fall never forget hundred <laughs> eternities all held but i'm going to interject i didn't answer the question no you didn't uh why i do it and i think we've already hinted on yeah. it is i do it to explore myself i do it to absolutely find pieces of myself that i can't find anywhere else and every time I finish a character and I have a story later about this is it, it completes me. It, it either, either I'm finding something that's already there or maybe I'm creating something that was never there and I'm just, but who could say which is right and which is wrong on that. So I'm just becoming more of a person in my, a person I'm comfortable with as, as who I want to be in the greater world. Uh, and that's why I'm doing a lot of, of other things, not gaming related, but not directly playing games right now, because that's the stuff I want to do. And I realize that's the direction I need to go in and game role playing has gotten me there. Yeah. It's, it's, it can be a wonderful tool for self-discovery and self-expression. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, let's, let's talk about some concrete examples. I know each of us have a, have yep. a story regarding yep. this. War story time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about my dude. But don't worry. We're going to get to Q and A and, yeah, and, and yep. oh, don't worry. In Kubaya sessions here in a minute. So you want, you want me to start this off? Sure. Go right All ahead. All right. So I had a, a character as my first Boffer LARP character, um, by the name of Llewellyn Vadi, which is a weird sounding name because he was a weird dude from a weird, uh, race fish people uh, yeah they're, they weren't <laughs> fish people they were underwater like pseudo spirity indian folk uh indian influenced folk um uh and he started out life this none of this was intentional by the way i did not start uh this character with this path in mind it's something that happened organically through play uh the character started off as a very greedy uh very materialist uh, merchant uh, who you know it was all about that 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 sculpey that was in the shape that meant money in the game we played, um, uh, and over time he he found a cause um, that required him to become much more spiritual, much more philosophical, much more enlightened, uh, and through some very some trials and tribulations, uh, he became a very spiritual. Uh, both in terms of, of power and, and philosophy and thought. Um, he, he basically, it was kind of the story of the Buddha, uh, combined with the story of Job from, from the Bible as well. Yeah, he suffered a Because he, he suffered evil. a lot. I, I, he, he, he went through a lot of trials. He, he had a lot of temptations uh, and had to, to make some really hard decisions. Uh, but over the course of like three, four years, he went from greedy as hell, materialistic, didn't care about the wider implications of things to 
sort of transubstantiating into a spirit uh, of hope. Literally, he, he was <laughs> he was a, a he was a sort of uh, platonic ideal of the notion of hope um, that had some effect later on. Uh, but that that arc was amazing. It it got me to think about spiritual aspects because I'm I'm pretty dyed in the wool atheist materialist guy. Um, but it, it helped me think about those things in a broader sense. Uh, and while it didn't necessarily change my beliefs, it did sort of broaden my perspective. Uh, and that was okay. unbelievable. If magic were real, I could see doing it. Yeah, this. absolutely. Uh, and you know, to the extent that uh, this this tattoo on my right arm that nobody uh, can see, that right no now. one can see right now, but our audience members can, is one of his spell verbals translated into Hindi. Uh, and um, you know, it's a permanent reminder uh, of that that arc and that experience that I had. Um, and you know, I don't have any other gaming tattoos, so there, there's the one. That's what that meant to me. Yeah, and and that's a good example of when you start down a story and a GM picks it up because you, uh, a, a friend of ours, uh, Dolores, Dolores Kelly, Kelly was like, picked that story up and went, "This is the story that uh, Scott that I want Luel Vani to go through." Oh yeah, I, I got I got taken by the hand by one of the, the runners of that game. Uh, and she uh, she really led me not only through the character's story but deep into the story of the game as a whole. Like right. I, I I got into things that had not yet been explored or revealed uh, because I was going on that journey. And and that's where that symbiosis between his own personal discovery and his journey and the the story of the plot staff needs to sort of synergize. <laughs> use a clinical uh, use a business term. All right, who's next? Uh, do you want me to go? Yeah, go ahead, man. All right, so mine's also a Buffalo Larp story. I'm sorry, but those those are – I think the reason why I'm definitely doing that is because they're the most visceral. They're definitely the ones you're sort of living in. You'll spend more time as a Buffalo Larp character than you will any other. Yeah, so. it's it's kind of nutty. Uh, it's definitely, the as I keep telling people, it's the deep end of gaming. Um, some oh, yeah. people, uh, it, So uh, be ready to hold your nose, as it were, and, sw- and doggy paddle. So my story is uh, for a game called Fractured, and I played a guy named Gordon Sumner III. Um, uh, before then, I was I've, I've always been a loud, brash person, and I learned that from some other characters that I've done. This is the one where I wanted to sort of spin it around and flip the script a little bit. So I went with a – his basic backstory was he's a government spy in a cult, but he went too far too deep, and he didn't know which way was up. He was still trying to be a good guy, but he was a manipulative bastard too because that was the only way you lived and survived in the that time. I set myself out as a challenge at the beginning of this character to go, okay, Matthew, you need to try to play a game of espionage with other people. You need to hold secrets. You need to learn, learn secret, hold secrets, and manipulate people. Not you, something – Use the secrets. And use the secrets. Effectively, uh, and not get yourself killed while doing so, nor and get your goals accomplished. And that was always the main thing: get your goals accomplished. Um, while at the core, always a good guy, trying to be a good guy, even doing terrible things. Um, and through the many years of iterations of his story, I betrayed people. I made new deals with people on a whim. I had to make deals with greater entities that could just va- vaporize me and. <laughs> Scott. Actually, both of us can cut away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all the while trying to do good, and he ended up. What happened was he got to the point that he learned, just like Luo and Vadi, learned some of the 
big, big secrets of the game that I actually got tortured by because I couldn't tell anyone else. Because if I told anyone else, I would be just vaporized. I would just be gone. Unmade. Unmade. Uh, and and, and you'd, you'd hurt other people because the knowledge was terrible. Yeah, they, because the, cause here's the kicker. Really learn something about how information spreads between people and how they use it. Because if you tell someone they should, really shouldn't know... It's kind of insidious because they always up your – I'm going to say – up your ass about, why can't you tell us this thing? And I'm like, because it will literally annihilate you. And they're like, I don't believe you. I think you're just keeping secrets. Man, isn't it? And I'm like – I'm like <laughs> – That was a real thing that happened. No, 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 and everything. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. And so by the end of that character, I got my goals accomplished. I helped the town do, anything, uh, do the thing, and eventually I got to tell them the big secret out in the open, which was a huge moment for him because he was like – Finally, I'm done with this crap. Holy crap. Uh, and then he got to do what he wanted, which was basically free the devil. That's like the tarot devil. Uh, and he got to be basically his number one man, which is what he wanted to do. But while that was – that deal I made with the devil to be his number one man was just to keep the cycle going of getting into places I wasn't supposed to be to learn the things I needed to learn so I could do the right thing with the information and just keep doing that. So that's how that story ended, and I learned a lot about interacting with people, being sociable, understanding what being diplomatic means, uh, and also the, uh, the idea of what's it like on the other, on the, uh, on the other side of like your government and why they can't tell you everything. It's not good. Sometimes it absolutely is for your protection. That doesn't mean it's always right, but I'm just like – I'm seeing that broader perspective similar to how Scott got a broader perspective on things. I did that with Gordon, and that has really helped me understand how to deal with people. And and before we get to Ryan, I just wanted to add uh, – that, that's another aspect of it is you know, that was certainly Matthew's character, but uh, in case you didn't pick up on it, I, I, ran, I was running that game at the time. I was one of the people running that game at the time. Um, and you know, while it was his character, it was a char- it was a story that was shared uh, between him and me and the other people on the staff. Um, but I I was kind of helming that story, uh, and that idea that idea that this is a story about about him that is shared between multiple people that everyone that, that everyone involved gets to influence and throw some spice at that. Not I, all over me. And I'm I'm real I'm real proud of that story. I'm real proud of that story that that, that Matthew and I uh, and others uh, went through uh, because it was Oh, it got real bad. It got real dark and real bad, but real real interesting. <laughs> yeah, because it's and I'll finish after this is other people found out about the secret in their own way. And then we started realizing that they knew the secret, but we couldn't really talk about it, but we could just wink and nod. And the problem is that it started making us our own little coterie of people who talked about the real issues, why everyone was just getting really pissed at us at playing the secrets game. And they th- they were getting out of play kind of upset at us too because yeah. they thought we were kind of manhandling the plot. It was what like, a great no. time to be alive at once. That was a difficult time in that game uh, because uh, I was I, – I and the other people running that game engineered that situation knowing that it might cause a little bit of tension. Uh, but the payoff for doing it really worked. <laughs> yeah, it did. So, Ryan. Okay, so this is kind of a, two, a two-parter to say that the first character I ever played in the Boffer LARP was very avatarish in a number of ways. I usually play uh, sort of uh, skeevy rogy types, but this one was a warlock. Warlock is my favorite class in Dungeons & Dragons. Long story for why that is. 
mostly broke mechanics. <laughs> uh, Eldritch Blast. At least you admit Eldritch it. Blast. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but the first character I played in Force of Door is like my goal is that, like I, I came there as kind of a troll. Honestly, I didn't start LARPing because I like thought I wanted to do it. I did it on a bet, and then I got addicted to it because that's how that goes. Um, the first character was like, okay, so what can I make people believe I actually want, and what can I get away with up until the very last moment? And the answer was basically anything as long as you lie well enough and smile while you do it. Um, so the character, terrible guy. Like, really, really bad guy. Did a lot of really bad stuff. Oh, God. And, and just ripped the, his world to shreds as the final, like, thing. And I got these poor suckers to help me do it. Uh, and to the last moment, they were all like, yeah, he's a fine. He's fine. Like, he's fine. So I did that. I succeeded. I basically won. It was great. But then the next guy was like, well... And by the way, this wasn't the plan. This is—it's never the plan. But the other guy was like, "All right, well, what if I actually like do actually do a redemption arc for once? Because I actually fight redemption arcs with—I I, just—it's not my bag, you know. I—I I, I don't mind it for other people, but it's generally not my thing. So let's talk about Salas. Uh, Matt called me War Beast uh, not terribly long ago because his name was Saltaris Anexia the War Beast, and he was a five million year old war demon whose entire shtick was coming going to a world inciting wars so that he may get people to commit war crimes and atrocities beyond any genocide that has ever been known in human history so that they may, their souls may become ripe enough for me to make a deal, take them, and then juice them for drugs. Literally, the entire point of what that race does... It's a dark, dark setting. It was a it's, dark... It's real bad. Now, let's... You know, kind of a hard character to play in a lot of ways because, you know, not a violent species, so... And being violent is kind of bad for them, so I had to figure out interesting, clever ways to be violent and not, you know, turn into a mo like a fiendish monster. I know it may be weird to say not be a fiendish monster, considering what I just said, but it has in-game meaning. Uh, and also can't lie, like can't knowingly directly lie to your face, which is really hard for me, because <laughs> that's how I mostly get away with a lot of stuff in LARPing and, and tabletop gaming. Um, but yeah, so that that character was a rage monster. He he and you know, he was the think anyone who knows God of War uh, may may see shades of Kratos in him a lot because he would be the guy who like, what's the biggest one? I'm gonna jump on the biggest one and start stabbing it and screaming a lot, and you know, mostly charming. But <laughs> 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 oh, oh, you I lie. think you lie. You lie to yourself so well. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're right. Um, but so, but. As it went on, like, I'll t and uh, you know, as a person with some anger my issues myself, like, it actually started to wear on me. Uh, are you looking at me because you have disbelief? No, I'm it? scratching the side because it itches. Oh, okay, that was way funnier if you were like, anger issues? No <laughs> way. <laughs> but, like, it, it, it actually became tiresome, and I got really, like, I was also bumped up against his, Matt's character, Gordon, a shit ton, and I was one of his associates. He was, I was one of those entities he made a deal with here and there. But, you know, people tended to, like, if you had the red markings on your face of a soul merchant, which is the name of our race, like, you were in the shitter no matter what you did or what you said. And eventually it's just like, it got it wore on me. So I'm like, you know what, fuck it. I'm actually going to turn into a good guy. And I'm not going to really talk that much about it because there was a guy who talked a lot about being a good guy and actually kind of was one, but was still a giant asshole anyway. Um, but so, and that's... Zora took a five-year arc of him, like, actually falling in love with someone, actually, like, learning to control his rage in moments where it mattered. 
you know, telling telling the absolute truth, even when it wasn't particularly convenient to do so, and he could have told a half-truth here and there. And just generally being other people's moral compasses, which is super weird for him, because there was more than one time when someone looked at me and was like, well, what should we do here? And it was just like, oh god, am I the moral compass for this particular away party? Because if so, holy shit, we're screwed. Actually, <laughs> wait, wait, don't murder those unarmed civilians. That's actually a pretty easy one. <laughs> Sometimes there are easy We're just going to use the Geneva Convention on this, and I think we'll be okay. Don't commit war crimes. Actually, <laughs> And that personally hurts me to say. <laughs> as, as the embodiment of war across many worlds, let me tell you, it's hard for me to say don't don't kill those unarmed civilians. Um, and it's just, and it sort of ended with him really not like fully redeeming himself because you, you can't get above your raising in so many ways because he is just a creature created from the a shit demon curse and he's a monster and he's old and ancient has done a lot of bad things and you can't really and he even at the end acknowledges like listen i can do a million million good things in my life i could save a hundred thousand lives but it wouldn't really undo any of the things i did the last five million years and those are way worse like no nothing balances these scales and i'll recognize that but i'm going to try to be not such a shithead from here forward and, like, that's as really as far as you could get with that character, because he freed himself. <laughs> in five years, yeah. In five years. He freed, <laughs> he freed himself from the slavery of his of his evil overlords, kind of ate his, he also was dealt with the arcana in his own way, and he ate the tower, which, because we have a spiritual hall, we can just kind of do a fusion dance with things. It <laughs> it's um, complicated, it I think that's his Facebook status. Yeah, it, it was complicated with the tower, I'll put it that way. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and his story basically ended with him going on a rampage to free these other, you know, enslaved beings. Because one of the things that was at core of his being is once he was free, and soul merchants are all slaves. Uh, they were slaves to their masters. They juiced those people for the drug because their masters hurt them real, real bad in ways you couldn't imagine if they didn't. And once he was free of that, the idea of owning other people and slavery was kind of one of his, like... If, if that was on the table or anything like that, he's immediately going to, like, lash out at it because... He had a lot of trauma. Don't play a soul merchant unless you want to have a really complicated inner life. Is <laughs> yeah. the important operative bit. Here. But I think the core is you learned. A, Ryan learned a lot of lessons through those two characters. I learned about yeah. I learned about like what it means to con- like like learn what it means to control anger. Like what learns what it means to tell the truth even when it's not necessarily convenient. Yes, it did make me grow as a person because I wasn't super awesome in my early twenties. Uh, but yeah, so that's. That's, that's my group. All right. Well, I think at this point, uh, if anyone in the audience like wants to chip, chip in on this subject, if they have a story about a character or what role-playing is, there's a mic right there. Yeah, go right up. Have fun. Yeah, stand up. Yo, feel free. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, yeah. man. There's go, a, there's go, a, there's go, a, there's go. There's a Southern go. Polite Off going on right now. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll just get a spotlight. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. Hello. What's Hi. your name? Oh, man. My name's Chris. Hi, hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hi, Chris. Um, so you can you can move the mic if you need to, or take it off. I think you can. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that'll work. That'll work. So um, I got into role playing from other people who were already into role playing. Um, I actually did my first LARPing ever last night. Oh shit! Ooh, what'd you play? DR. Oh okay. Yeah yeah yeah. Absolutely. But it was really fun. Um, so. I have a question for y'all. Oh, Don't sure. Know. Go ahead. Like, uh, I'm not a whole interpreter of this, but I know people who are. Um, this, you know, gatekeeping and, like, parents thinking that, like, 
Yes. So it is Satan's work. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I well, was dealing with that even in my, in my youth. I was dealing with it in but, high but, school. Uh, ask your question. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Um, so my question for y'all is, like, like, this has become, like, this really big, uh, even more mainstream thing where we're on YouTube, we're doing all this stuff, and, and more and more, and it's becoming, like, a profitable thing. It's becoming like, more than just, like, people getting together and playing games. Like, there's, there is actually a lot of enrichment going on. Where do y'all think that you would like to see the game go from here? Ooh, oh, uh, neat. well, I mean, some prog uh, cost. Uh, well, oh God, I screwed that one up. Yeah, you did. Uh, uh, Prognostication. Yes, uh, that was well, it. For, first and foremost, uh, I want to get involved with that aspect of it. Uh, that that's that's I really want to get involved with. Uh, I have I'm planning my own web series for that. But but in a broader sense, um, you know, I I want it to 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 start really penetrating the culture. Like I I drove down uh, 41 uh, a couple weeks ago and I saw a a billboard for a podcast. And, and that really kind of blew my mind a little bit. And, you know, applying that to your question, you know, why not? Why not see this stuff on, a, you know, cable television or the broadcast television? Why, why not have this medium of communication and art and, and expression hit the mainstream in a real way? You know, uh, you know we all know uh, – many, many of us might remember there was a D&D movie and it was a flaming pile of garbage. Um, Parts but, of it, well, but actually most I mean, of it. I mean, if Michael <laughs> Ironside is a treasure. <laughs> but, uh, it had dragons. But I mean, it like just in it too. But just like thinking, like really outside the box. Why not a D and D movie where like you see this shit on the big screen? Like I, it's happened once because Acquisitions Incorporated, uh, they had their one of their live games through like Phantom Events, so you could literally go to a theater and watch people play D and D, but. Why the hell not? It, it it's an it's a medium. It's expressive. It's powerful. It's a thing you can do at home too. Yeah, it's a thing you, you can, can do at home. Quote unquote, play along as well. And, and and I'd also like to see more like 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 we mentioned with the game to grow. I'd I'd like to see it used as a tool to help people, uh, particularly children. Yeah. Uh, because particularly children who who may need a little bit more help than others because um, it's, because would, it's powerful. I would really really like to see institutions like. Satanic panic aside and all that stuff. I would like churches. I don't care schools, churches, whatever. Just like use role playing as a way to help kids do the teamwork, critical thinking, and all that stuff because it actually does build those skills up. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really useful, and you know I don't I think it's being underutilized. I think it could be a, just a useful. Uh, we're just them. now throwing off the shekels as he said the satanic panic. Uh, we really are. This is the this is the. This is the last bit, last chain is being thrown off, and we're actually trying to embrace it. As for where I'd like to see everything, I can't disagree with anything that Scott said. I think there's a – be very practical, but I think there's a lot of money to be made <laughs> for a lot of people that really want to dive into it and try to do it. Right. Um, I also would like to do this for a living. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. Yes, give me your money. Uh, no, but also it's the idea of helping people. I've already said this before in other episodes is there are convicts uh, – um, uh, there are people in prison that play D and D and role playing games, even when they're not not allowed dice because it's co- considered contraband, uh, to help them either just pass the time or to try to dig up some things that we've talked about right here. And some of them even do it after they're all free with those same people, and they keep tabs with each other to make sure. They're trying to make the life their life better for each other. Hey man, instead of robbing a liquor store, let's kill some orcs. Yeah, let's kill some orcs instead, and let's get it out just, that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, 
I just wanted to see it where it can help and just entertain more people because everyone can get involved. Your family can get involved. You can roleplay with your your father, your mother. It's a little weird for me because of when I grew up, but I hope my kids, I'll get to roleplay with them, and they'll be roleplay with me, and they'll roleplay with their friends. And so thank you very much. That's a fantastic question. Really good. Thank you. Any, anybody else have anything to say? All right, Ooh. here we go. The one in blue. Yeah. So actually, this is kind of just a continuation on that. As a second-generation nerd raised by gamers. Oh, shit. Oh. How to, and my first D&D group was my parents. Um, actually, it worked out really well. I, I got some pre-algebra skills trying to figure out Thacko. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, and uh, honestly, some of the uh, the interactions with my character, with my parents' characters and their friends, helped me basically learn how to interact with with adults. As because I was ten, and they were yeah, you were super 30. young. <laughs> well, that's when I started. So, uh, but yeah, no, it actually helped. Like how to speak with adults, how to speak with authority, how to express displeasure with authority figures in a way <laughs> that will not get you grounded. That's really useful. Actually. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it can absolutely be. We have to speak truth to power, but not in a way that loses me snack time. <laughs> so yeah, no, I never really had to, I never had to deal with the satanic panic. I never heard about Darkest Dungeon, the, the chick flick thing. Until oh, God, it's so Chick funny. flick and uh, then mazes and monsters. Oh, my God. Man. I oh, man, I want to know. I up to find oh. it. Oh, live, live development, guys. We got to do a review of that movie. Oh, we need I to sit down to? and watch. I've seen it, like, once. Okay, we're gonna sit down and watch it, yeah. and then we're gonna review it live. On, uh, then we'll do a polyhedron episode about why, it. Do this why do you, you hate people. me, Matthew? Uh, I do this for you people. Yep, you signed the contract. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what we should uh, do. A, a polyhedron reacts. Reacts. <laughs> Get that YouTube money. Um, the, the first time I actually experienced the satanic panic was uh, my father had the monster manual for second edition, and. Me and my friends got bored playing Thundercats, and we're like, well, what else can we do? I'm like, well, my dad has this book about monsters. Why don't we go look through that and figure out what we want to play? <laughs> and one of them decided to be the Beholder, and the rest of us were adventurers, based loosely off what we knew about the D&D manual. So, like, I was a fighter, one of the others was a rogue, and we chased each other around. And then they decided to explain to their parents what we did. Oh, no. no. And apparently there was some sort of conversation with the parents about what this role-playing thing is. You're trying to summon Satan. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> They're just being kids. Look, the role to summon Satan is really high. Yeah, it's really hard. You've, you've got to lay at least 18th level. So, like, um, basically the future is now. I mean... Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you've absolutely. got a bunch of second gen and even third gen. Those kids never up. stood a chance. Nope. But the virus is too strong. So yep. Embrace the nerd. Yeah. Thank, Thank you for you that comment. Uh, anyone else? We do need to wrap it up very soon, but if so, yeah. if you got anyone, bring it on up. Hey, uh, I got a, a question. First off, what's your name? My name is Seth. Hi, Seth. Hi. Uh, so my question is, you've talked a bit about learning lessons from your characters and the different stories that you go through. How do you apply those lessons to your real life? Ooh. Um. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll go with with my with my, with my story. Uh, like I said, um, I'm not a big believer in anything supernatural, but having a spiritual character um, helped me to really um, 
interact with people who have beliefs about things that I might not agree with, um, but help me understand the emotional reasons for having those beliefs uh, and, and really sort of develop my sense of empathy for people who I might not agree with entirely or uh, may have my, I might have serious disagreements about some of the things that they believe, but it helped me understand uh, and, and helped me really sort of soften my, my views on, on some sort of those things. Uh, and it's, it's, it's helped me have better relationships with people who I normally probably would never have talked to. Um, for me, oh, that's hard. I couldn't, couldn't point to one specific thing because, you know, life's a constant journey and you're kind of just putting the pieces together. Um, I think Soul, uh, my one of my characters, I won't go into a huge story because we don't have time for that, but he taught me to be a stronger person. He taught me to, it's okay to be confident. It's okay to bust out of your shell and to try to lead people. And it made me realize I had a measure of charisma and I had a measure of confidence and people looked to me to help them. And I wanted to help them. And I, so I used that strength in my everyday life. And I, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now in front of you, you asking that question, is because of that. So that's actually a living example. Never mind, I thought myself through that entire problem. So yeah, like I said, mine was a redemption arc about trying to be a general, generally a better dude and person. And, and so, I mean, that's kind of where it led me. I, I mean, first of all, focused application of anger, which is a really important thing if you have a lot of it, which you know, a lot of people actually do and just don't know how to fucking deal with their feelings. And it's sometimes really helpful to have a figure out outlets for that. Second, just generally trying to be a better person, like understanding being posed many, many ethical dilemmas by this sick son of a bitch to my left. Um, as it was real fun to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to, and, I, and ending up having to be other people's moral compass when they were faltering and, and like, just like, uh, yeah, that. Also, very important, having not choked Matt to death. Very important real-life application of my... That's a life skill that everyone should learn. I appreciate it very deeply. I'm, I'm sure he does. <laughs> but, two serious things in a joke. Uh, do you have any more questions? No, thank you. I think we are done, yeah. because I think we need to get the hell out of here. Granted, there's no one behind us, but I want to go home and go to bed. Oh, oh yeah. no, I got, I've got so cats late. and a bed. Yeah, and it, I, it's got to happen. Three so, adorable rats are waiting for me. <laughs> but so thank you everyone thank you Momocon thank you everyone who came out in the audience to this first uh, uh, episode live episode live recording uh, deeply appreciate it and as always go where your fun is roll some dice Hey, Matthew here. I just wanted to let you know, if you want to give feedback to Polyhedron, you can go to polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to the show's Twitter handle at polyhedroncast. Uh, if you'd really like to help us out, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash polyhedron. Uh, give us a buck a month and become one of our bosses and really support the show. And if you're looking to get in touch with us on Twitter, you can find Matthew at BioImportance. You can find Scott at DivisMallCav. And you can find Ryan at Arduous. If you want to spell it. R-J-U-O-U-S. And finally, just so we can wrap it up here, if you are listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere, give us a five-star review. It really helps our exposure. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, <laughs> guys.